All right. Do you guys remember what you talked about last time you were in Sunday school? That's a good guess. I don't either. You know how long it's been? Uh, at least four. At least three or four. Last time you guys had Sunday school was, uh, well, I guess probably you guys did it at the youth retreat, but it was before the youth yeah. retreat. So it was before the 4th of July, the last time so you guys had Sunday school. Huh? So at least two weeks. Uh, yeah, a lot of weeks. <clears throat> so we're going to start something new, so you don't have to remember. Um, yeah. Are we blank? Kind of. Aha! So raise your hand if <laughs> you don't want to wait. No, you want to just be included. <laughs> uh, raise your hand if you could one day see yourself getting married. <laughs> like it's definitely something you want to do in your life. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, put your hands down. Raise your hand if you never, ever, ever want to get married, no matter what. Why? You got somebody in the middle. Okay. Oh, that's a lot of commitment. Uh, raise your hand if you're somewhere in the middle. Like, not sure, maybe if it's the right person or, you know, whatever. See what happens kind of thing well, in the middle. Well, yeah, but, like, it's, it's. <laughs> well, yeah, that's assumed. But, like. Like, for people in the middle, it's like it has to be the super-duper right person uh, where, like, it's definitely in your plan if you're in the first group. So, for those of you who raised your hand first, can you tell me why? It's personal to you. There's no wrong answers. Why do you want to get It's the right thing to do? Okay. Can you elaborate? Okay. Any other? A lot of you raised your hands. You don't want to be lonely? <laughs> okay. You said it seems like it's the next step? Yeah. Okay. It's definitely boring. Do a nine to five and then nothing else? Yeah. <laughs> Have a lot of cats and dogs. Yeah. And <laughs> All right, so uh, what are some good reasons to get married? Not that yours are necessarily wrong, but good reasons to get married are obedience to God. This is the sneakiest mark on man. <laughs> what does this mean? How could getting married be a way to obey God? Squeaking a different way? Okay. 
So it could be following his plan. Like if you have a relationship with God, you pray and you talk a lot. And God may be saying, you know, this is, this is what I want for you. Or he may say, this man, this woman, all right? So it could be a way to obey God. Another good reason is marriage was invented by God, all right? Marriage is God's thing, God's idea, and God never had a bad idea, all right? That's another good reason to get married, all right? Uh, I would say it's a way to spread the gospel. How does that work, I'm deaf. Okay, yeah. Teach it to the next generation. Uh, finish this. Christ is to his church as a bridegroom. Absolutely. So God uses marriage as an example for the relationship that Christ has with his church. So if you're married and you are a good example of that, you could be an example to others of the way Christ feels about his church. All right? That's another good way. But what if you weren't part of the first group? All right? If you're sitting there thinking, I know God has a different plan for me. It's not in his plan for me to be married. All right? Or, why are we talking about marriage? I'm still in high school. Right. Not even thinking about that yet. Well, I say, cool, awesome. Fortunately, what we are going to talk about applies to everybody. Right. Whether you're thinking about mar getting married, uh, thinking about dating, are dating, uh, not thinking about dating, never going to get married, never want to date, or anything in between. Okay, We're going to talk about Outrageous couples. This will be our theme for the next few weeks. Okay? Got three or four of them picked out. What do you think we're going to learn from outrageous couples? What to not do. <laughs> yes. That's actually my favorite way uh, to learn. I, I find it hard to like look at somebody and be like, they're awesome. Be like them. That doesn't work for me. I'd rather look at outrageous couples. <laughs> yeah, don't do this. Okay, that's, that's an easier thing for me to wrap my head around. You know, it, and it's all, I'm not perfect and they're not perfect. So let's figure out how to actually live life, not look at somebody who is perfect and, and try and be like them. Fail a lot. You know, we're all human. So this is the way I like to learn. Why, if we're going to look at couples, why do you think this applies to everybody? Absolutely. Friendships, family, all right? I think also a lot of the mistakes are pretty universal. When you're in a couple, and you make a mistake, the consequences are amplified. 
right? Two people make the same mistake and it's twice as worse. So it's really easy for us to look at them and say, they goofed, all right? Because the consequences are twice as bad, if not worse. Uh, but the mistakes they made and the things they do are lessons for everybody, all right? So no matter how you raised your hand, this is for you. Our outrageous couple for this week is, any guesses? <laughs> any other guesses? What'd you say? So just say it. Just say it? Well, was the one that was like 12 wives or something? Oh, well, I mean. <laughs> a lot of guys. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not an example to follow. He definitely goofed up. <laughs> one wife is hard enough. <laughs> one husband is hard enough. All right? It, it goes both ways. Uh, but no, you got it. We're going to talk about Lot and his wife. our subject for the day. Um, I, I almost considered playing that just for giggles. Uh, who is Lot? He is, wait, he's some guy's uncle. No. <laughs> well, I guess technically, yes. He is somebody's uncle. <laughs> Lot is like, he is Abraham's nephew. Abraham, Abram, same guy. All right. Um, what book do we read about Lot? What book of the Bible? Nope. Going the wrong way. <laughs> All right, we read about him in Genesis for the most part. Um, what's some other things we know about him? What, is, what do Abraham and Lot do? How do they, how do they earn their living? They sheep charge. Yeah, they have, they have animals, and they roam around. And, uh, but both of them are very rich, right? Because God has blessed them. They have lots of animals. They have more animals than everybody else. So let's pick up the story. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, verse 1. And we'll just go around until I stop you. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. And Abram was a very rich with cattle and silver and gold. And he went on the journey from the south. AI.
them all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. All right. So, summarizing what happened, Lot and Abram are traveling together. They they have too many animals that the land can't support both of them, so they decide to split up. And Abraham gives Lot a choice. You pick where you want to go. I'll go the other way. Right? So he gives him the first choice. Uh, and Lot picks the best land for himself. What do we learn about Lot from this? Selfish. Selfish. That's a good word. All right. A little selfish. A little greedy. Abraham is his mentor, all right, he takes care of him. He's the reason that he has so much wealth, you know, he got him started. And he just thinks about himself when it's time to part ways. <clears throat> Let's keep going. Uh, two more verses. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the All right. What do we know about Sodom? Evil. Evil. I'm deaf. A wicked city. It's a wicked city. Yes. Not the colloquial, colloquial definition of wicked as an awesome, but wicked as an evil. Uh, so instead of avoiding sin, Lot ends up going to Sodom. A place with exceeding sin, right? It uh, it was worse than everywhere else around it, where Sodom or where everywhere else has like this much sin. Sodom has extra, all right? They are extra. Uh, so Lot could have chosen to live in the fields and the plains of Jordan, where there was plenty for him, but he chose to live in Sodom. So what do we learn about Lot from this? Okay. Think about Lot and Sodom has an, uh, a reputation. Okay. I would say that he's tempted. Yeah. Right. You were saying it. Tempted. Uh, attracted. curious even about these things that are going on in Sodom alright he's looking and he's kind of drawn to those experiences that the city offered alright so Lot here tempted, attracted drawn to sin alright in fact later in Genesis we learn that Lot is even appointed to be a judge on the city gates in Sodom. So not only did he go there, not only did he experience what the city had to offer, he indulged, all right? He indulged to the point where the people applauded and accepted him and appointed him a judge, all right? He was that involved in what was going on. So later, four powerful kings invade the region of Sodom and its sister city, Gomorrah. Let's pick up the story there, chapter 14, Verse 11, wherever we left off in the, the loop. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all 
verse 13. Uh, chapter 14, verse So after this, Lot and his wife, what do you think they do? They've been saved. You know, they were in Sodom. The city was taken by some foreign kings, and they were taken captive. Abraham swoops in and saves them. They have this opportunity to leave the sinful life. What do you think they do? They go back. They go back, all right? So they have this, what's the word I use? <clears throat> Wake up call. living a sinful life, God sends trouble, all right, to bring them out. It's a wake-up call. They have this opportunity to leave, but they ignore it and go right back to their sinful ways, as if nothing happens. Later on in the story, God decides to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their many sins, all right? But Abraham comes to Lot's rescue again. Abraham pleads with God to save Lot and his family. So God sends two angels to bring Lot and his family out of the city. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 19. A couple pages over, Genesis chapter 19. And start back up at verse 1.
Hold up real quick. Do we know what know them means? It means they want to have sex with them. All right. It, verse five. So the the men of the city, there's two angels that come in, and try, uh, are staying with Lot and his family, and the men of the city notice it and they want to rape them. All right. That's how bad this place is. Keep going. All right, so what happens? Lot, <clears throat> Lot says, don't take these men that are staying with me. Why don't you just have my two daughters? All right, and they say, no, we want the two men, and now we're going to take you as well. All right, keep going. So the angels at this point step in and pull Lot back inside the house and everybody who's there trying to rape, almost everybody, uh, is struck with blindness. All right. So the angels intercede and save Lot. This is kind of where we begin to see how far Lot and his family have slipped into sin. Because of their proximity to sin, they chose to live in Sodom. Lot and his wife have become equally as wicked and sexually deviant as the rest of the citizens of Sodom, right? He didn't even think twice about offering his daughters up as sex slaves, right? This can be considered our second wake-up call, right? Here are the angels. He recognizes them as angels right away. Right? He bows down to them and, and knows that they're people that he should take care of but he doesn't realize that what he's doing is wrong. Let's keep going, uh, 12 through 16. Still in chapter 19. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place? For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord sent us to destroy it.
So here we have, actually, our third wake-up call that Watt just seems to ignore. The angels have uh, had to basically drag them out of the city. Even when they've come and said, this city's going to be destroyed, right? You need to leave now. They hang out. They, they think about it, right? They hesitate to leave because they have this love of sin. It started with a temptation. It started with an attraction. And then they moved in. They became close. They lived in it. And now it's so part of them that they don't even know. They don't even want to leave when they're faced with certain death. Let's see what happens next. 17 through 26. So despite all of God's efforts, Lot's wife still longs for Sodom and all that it represents. This is how we know that it's Lot and his wife. Right? We know that these cup, this couple is doing this together. All right? <clears throat> we never hear her caution Lot or condemn his actions. You don't hear her pipe up when he offers his two daughters as a sacrifice, right? She's just going along right with it. It's obvious she loves sin. She loves the world that they are in just as much as Lot does, and probably even more, because she looks back. Even though the angel explicitly said, do not turn around, all right? Do not look back at sin. Jesus even uses Lot's wife as a cautionary example when telling people to hate sin, all right? Flee from it and never look back. She looked back, and God turned her into a pillar of salt that instant, all right? 
The consequences of Lot and his wife's lifestyle don't stop there. In fact, it gets worse. Pick up at verse 30, still in chapter 19. Moabites. All right. Well, yes. has that they leave that part out of the story a lot, don't they? Um, yeah. So you guys did uh, Abraham in on Tuesday night recently. I assume you guys did this section as well. Had anybody not heard that before? So uh, when I first read that, I was actually in college, okay? Uh, And I was thinking, why is this even in the Bible? Like, what are we supposed to learn from this? Like, obviously it's incest, and obviously it's a terrible, terrible sin. But what could God have to say through telling us this story? These eight verses. It's a question. Yeah, well, don't do that. Yes, that's, that's the moral of what we're talking about. Absolutely. But the consequences don't stop to go on forever. Into your kids. Absolutely. Alright? Because it says, like, the son had, like, five kids. Yeah, yeah, it was, like, a whole tribe that was born of them. Two tribes. Two tribes. Alright, that were, that fought the nation of Israel to this day. Alright? So your actions affect others. Effect is the verb, affect is the thing. Uh, So your actions affect others, okay? If you're a parent, this is especially true, okay? You are there, your duty is to raise those children so that they know right from wrong. But it also applies to you guys, right? A lot of kids look up to you. Whether you're an older sibling or you're just here at church, you're the teen group. Right? You're cool. Everybody wants to be part of it. Believe it or not. All right? 
recognize that that is a position that you hold. So be an example for everyone around you, all right? Because what you do teaches the next generation what's right from wrong. The other interesting thing is this. What is the whole Bible about? It's about Jesus, right? The whole Bible is about Jesus from cover to cover. So sometimes parts of the Old Testament don't make sense until we look back. Uh, turn real quick to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 5, 6, and 7. Boaz. Oh, oh, yeah, it does. I forgot. You're right. Booze, Boaz, same guy. So why am I making you read these awful names? Uh, no, okay. No, there's, there's a point here. We're, we're going to get there. Uh, so there's two names I want you to pay attention to. The first is Ruth. No, no. Uh, Bible scholars, was Ruth an Israelite? No. She was. about it already today. She was a Moabite. Oh, no. Oh. All right, so the first daughter of Lot, her son was the father of all the Moabites. All right, so we have this story pointing back to the lineage of Jesus. All right, here's the other name, Rehoboam. Rehoboam. All right. Okay. Well, Rehoboam, uh, he was the heir of King Solomon. Okay. His mother is the only named wife of all of Solomon's wives. He had way more than 12. All right. Way more than 12. But she's the only one who's named. Who's named. Her name is, I'm going to butcher it, Naama. That's, that's in Kings. All right. Guess what Naama was? She wasn't an Israelite. She was. She was the other guy. She was the Am Ammon. She was an Ammonite. Come on. All right. So both of these 
we can track back to the lineage of Jesus. So that's another reason that this story is included, right? Because it's, it is tracing the lineage of Christ. I just think that's cool. Even in the face of this terrible sin, right? God worked this family into the lineage of Christ to show us his power and his greater plan, okay? All in all, though, Lot's story is pretty depressing. <laughs> the best thing we can do is to learn from Lot and his wife's mistakes, right? So let's think about all that we learned. I got four points. Don't let the world suck you in. All right? Lot and his wife were attracted by that experience that Sodom offered. The, the reputation preceded Sodom, and that sin was a temptation for them. Okay? If you choose to take advantage of what the world has to offer, you will not get the best of what God has to offer. Okay? Two. If you love the world, your sinning will get worse. Okay. We saw this evidenced by Lot just started out as a little selfish, right? He said, I'm going to take the best land for myself. And through his life, as time passed, he developed into basically sinning all the time. It was at the point where Lot's wife chose to die rather than to turn away from their wicked ways, okay? So <clears throat> know that if you are close to sin, your moral compass will shift and you will turn to worse and worse sins until you're sinning all the time. Three. Your love of the world will destroy everything around you. Sometimes this is literally like in the case of Lot. Sometimes it's figurative. Okay? You lose those relationships. You lose the things that you care about. Lot and his wife lost their home and all their possessions, their marriage. Lot's wife lost her life, and their daughters ended up just as bad as they were. Right? And lastly, this is the most important one, We've been talking a lot about Lot's mistakes, Lot's and his wife's mistakes. But remember, God still chose 
to save him from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. When Peter actually mentions Lot in the New Testament, Peter calls Lot a righteous man. Right? So even though he did all of this stuff, he still had a relationship with God. He was still a righteous man. <clears throat> Is it clear, though, what part of his life was more important? Think it was the God portion or the world portion? Absolutely. The same thing will happen to us, so we have to be very careful. If we try and love God and the world, the world will always win. Sometimes it's not as clear as it was in the case of Lot and his wife. They chose sexual immorality as their world, right? But things that are not inherently sinful can also consume us. Things like friends, school, our job, money, fame, hobbies, sports, charity work, health and fitness, possessions, entertainment, food, social media, anything, right? None of these things are bad. In fact, sometimes they're, all, they're healthy and good things. But if you love anything more than God, it can be your Sodom. So ask yourself, how do I spend my time? What do I spend my money on? What do I do for entertainment? How much time do I spend at church? How much time do I spend reading the Bible on my own? How much of my talents do I use for God? Kind of weigh those out. See how it falls. Think about these things as you go throughout your week. Think about Lot and his wife. And remember to love God more than anything this world has to offer. Thank you.